welcome to Truth in Coaching. I am your host, Joshua Spencer. Jordan's still out with whatever variety of crud she's got. So uh, I had to pull in a uh, pull in somebody off the ready bench. That bench was getting pretty warm, but Samantha's back and we're gonna have a good discussion today. Uh, just some fun topics, kind of some lightheartedness. Uh, the idea is to give you contrast between the, the focused goal setting series and then also um, the contrasting series to that is going to be more of a fundamental human movement series, which is good. A lot of people that are beginning like really get overwhelmed really quickly with how many different exercises there are out there. And there's a lot of stuff that the body can do. There's not a doubt about that, right? But simplifying is better. But the, the breaking story is that we're like 40 degrees warmer right now than we were this morning. Ha. Isn't it great? Yeah. It's barely above zero now. Maybe, maybe hitting the 20 degrees and you can walk out without gloves on and people think it's warm. Yeah, well, it feels warm. And I'd say for me, my... 10 to 20 degree mark Fahrenheit is the exercise outside advisedly, right? If it gets below that, I cut it all off. Um, obviously when we get into the negatives, that's too much. But um, I had to meet a guy at the gym this morning and this is right as that cold Arctic bubble was moving off. And uh, he was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just gonna cut out of work a little bit early and uh, it looks like it's a 12 minute walk. And I was like, hey man, Give yourself some extra time and or drive because it's still supposed to be well below zero at that point. Fortunately, he listened and he drove. Oh, well, that's good. Well, there's the there's like the painful level, right? Like actual pain when you go outdoors and below zero is when that starts to kick in. Right. Not that below freezing isn't dangerous or couldn't be dangerous under the right circumstances, but you feel physical pain under zero. Yeah, it's just cold. Everything's freezing too much. Um, anyways, I was able to ride that bubble right after the, uh, the heat came in to get a haircut. And I had this thought that occurred to me because this thought occurs to me more than once, but you know how, um, the, the silly definition of a dentist is somebody who carries on conversations with people that are incapable oh. of talking back. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I think, it, I think sometimes it's funny to, uh, apply that <laughs> to training, <laughs> You carry on conversations with people that are like they're completely so out of heavy. breath. Yeah, they're so yeah. they're breathing so heavy that they can't talk back to you. Yeah, now a Especially good coach when their first yeah. first day of meeting them. Seriously, um, a good coach though is going to know when to shut up and just let people work, which is which is what you got to do most of the time. But you got to build rapport with people too, because like you don't want to just work with somebody that's stone cold, you know, acting like a robot, etc. That's, that's not the way to go long-term. But the person giving me my haircut today, normally you can carry on a good conversation with somebody cutting your hair. But this gal was like on the side that she's buzzing in my ear and talking in such a low, soft tone. <laughs> I couldn't hear what she was saying. And I'm like, man, you're in the dentist category. Whatever. Um, Did you just smile and nod? Or not nod, because you were worried she's going to miss your hair cut up? I did a lot of not nodding. I yeah. did a lot of just yeah, don't stone nod. cold stuff, like, hey, maybe you, maybe you think I'm hard of hearing or whatever, but yeah. you're, you know, you're soft of talking. You can't mess that fade up, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. 
Anyways, um, let's do something kind of fun, and let's break down a video from Jeff Cavalier of Athletics. Now, he's a extremely smart coach. Um, for those of you who have not heard of him, he uh, was the head strength and conditioning coach and physical therapist on the New York Mets. Um, he's gotten a lot of you know wide recognition. He's built a pretty good body for himself. He's in his 50s at this point. And uh, does a lot of fun videos where he trains with his shirt off, but then like uses a highlight marker or a Sharpie to like fill in muscles to show you like exactly what's happening where, right? So he's, he's one of those super smart guys. Um, I would say well-respected. I like his approach. It's um, when it's actually coaching time, he can be that hard ass. But when it's teaching time, he's just got like a approachable teaching demeanor, right? Um, so in any case, he, he went over uh, with one of his minions. He was going over uh, fitness trends for 2024 and, you know, whether it's in or whether it's out or whether it should be in or whether it's out. But uh, we'll we'll go over these, kind of give our hot take on them. And I think we should go, uh, is it a fad or is it timeless, right? And then what's your personal okay. preference? Okay. So first one, uh, training for longevity. So it's not just about strength and hypertrophy, which means getting your muscles bigger, right? But also flexibility and different kind of cardio, right? He's referencing zone two versus zone five, which is fine. But like I would say for the beginner, that's maybe a little bit too much. If you've been in the game for a long time and you're working out and trying to switch things up, I think training for longevity is definitely timeless, definitely not a fad. Oh, totally agree. And as we get older, when he's talking about that, especially stretching, I was like, oh, I just like put it in my 2024 thing to do is adding stretching to my routine, not only because I'm pregnant and everything hurts, but because I'm not flexible at all. Yeah. And that's, that's going to help you with your body. Um, the, uh, thing about training as you get older like you it doesn't mean that you have to get necessarily less intense or that you get less strong i would not recommend heavy duty contact sports into your 40s right you'll definitely feel um you'll definitely feel some of the differences there but there's some mentors out there some some well-respected athletes martin rooney comes to mind and he's in his 50s, he can outperform a lot of collegiate athletes in straight-up measurements. I'm not even talking relative. I'm talking empirical. He can out-bench them, out-squat, out-deadlift, and be fresh and ready to go the next day because he's worked on all this stuff. He's worked on that flexibility, and he's worked on his ability to recover. Right, and really, if you think about people, I mean, I'm, I'm no expert, so I can't name them off the top of my head, but you've, Martin Rudy's a great example of people that have been training for so long, decades, that, as you said, could outdo anybody in any sport. And it's really amazing to see how that compounded over time. I'd argue that consistency is a big part of that. I would say that uh, the ability to stick with it over the not just weeks of an initial program or not just through the motivation phase, not even just after a year or two of working on taking your body from point A to point B, but I would say the ability to stick with it over the multiple years and yes, even the decades, I'd say that's timeless. And your approach to training is going to have to change if you're going to do that. Like you do have to apply 
a wide variety, right? And it's hard. I mean, like, to be that disciplined, to be consistent like that is uh, definitely hard to do. Number two, cold water immersion. Um, that is, like, here in Colorado especially. I, I definitely put this in the fad category. Um, taking ice baths, icing things has a well-known effect on improving your recovery. Um, yes, you will with that almost full body cold water immersion, you will get this dopamine high and that's fine. You can also recover quickly. There's two studies here that are, um, I would not necessarily say they're conflicting. I would call them contrasting. One of them is that you don't want to do this within four hours of weightlifting because you're actually suppressing this inflammatory response that you need. You need a little bit of buffer in your body as you get out there and attempt to create muscle tissue damage, which is what strength training is. It does create a little bit of muscle tissue damage that causes you to have to recover from it. And if you're suppressing that inflammatory response in your workouts, you're not working out efficiently. Like imagine this, go into your freezer and pull out a steak. Is that steak pliable and ready to be worked with versus a steak that's been properly thawed. Yeah, that one's pliable and ready to work. The contrasting study is um, kind of a, a placebo effect on athletes that will like being in a tournament environment. Think like maybe, um, I don't know, like lacrosse or soccer or any, any sport that can play multiple matches within a day or maybe you've got a couple games in a weekend, right? Uh, if you have a cold water immersion or an ice bath, prior to four hours for the next activity. It's just a placebo effect and you're not actually getting recovery out of it. So I think those two studies are actually mutually supporting. Um, for me, stick with the basics. Like you don't need a fancy tank that you've made out of some sort of either jerry-rigged materials that you got for $100 or like a custom-built one from some landscaper for like $4,000. In my opinion, Focus more on what you eat and getting better sleep and getting your workouts in. You'll get better bang for the buck. Maybe if you're advanced in that already, though, add that on top. You'd be good to go. Sam has no know. hot takes. Because <laughs> that just freaks me out, and I don't think you'll ever be able to get me to do a cold water immersion. Well, if you're not going to do it consistently, it's not going to benefit you. So perfect candidate for why even bother. Yeah, I know you used to do it more regularly than you do now, but... Even the first time I saw you here. do all that. <laughs> I know we use a sheep trough. I have clients who use sheep troughs. I'm not going to do a sheep trough in the backyard in minus 10 degrees. Oh, yeah. uh, number three, green noise. We're getting into some weird stuff here, but like. This is um, all hocus pocus to me. Hocus pocus to you? <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, uh, and, and, I see an argument. And by the way, I got these amazing uh, Bluetooth noise canceling headphones and they're, they're pretty cool, but like they can kind of cut you off from reality, which is both good and bad. If that helps you manage stress and anxiety and helps, you know, separate you from the voices inside your head. Cool. My problem is that it's going to be connected to an app like Spotify. You know, if you know, right where you find this podcast, right? And you're going to go from a green noise thing to something else and you're going to be distracted and fidgeting. I think that actually increases anxiety. If you can figure out a way to separate your white noise, pink noise, brown noise, green noise, whatever. I don't care what it is. You know, the studies maybe suggest that green noise is the best at overall uh, lowering stress. I don't know. I really don't care. Again, I call that like a fringe benefit. 
I think that works well for somebody that's single living on their own, trying to live the dream of like lifting hard every day. Yeah, I would have to try it. I'm not against trying it, but the color noises, like you said, the green, the pink versus the brown versus the white, it's to me, I'm like, it's probably all the same. It's knickknacky. Um, it, it, what it is, is like the poor man's version of the in-home sensory deprivation tank. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. the ghetto version of what Niles Crane and uh, Maris are doing in their own house. If you know that show, Frasier, flipping hilarious. Uh, number four, training to failure. Um, is that a prerequisite for results? The thing about that and I've had some thinking change on this over the years. I used to be a proponent of not training to failure um, simply on the basis that if people are training to failure and they don't have the confidence in their movement patterns, they're just going to have bad movement patterns. And you can have somebody get overloaded very quickly. It doesn't take a lot. I mean five to nine reps, you can fail in that range very easily if you've overdone it. And before you know it, you've got a beginner who is putting together really, really bad uh, sets. And then they're not getting the results because they're not moving appropriately. That failure is not helping them uh, get uh, to stronger, longer sets. Now, Coach Cavalier, on the other hand, is a big proponent of training to failure. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, there's a lot of studies that have been put into it. Um, we typically underassess the effort that we're putting in and think that it's hard enough when in fact we're not working hard enough. Um, so the more that I work with it, I would say the qualification is it has to be somebody who's experienced enough to hit that failure point multiple times in the same workout and not have a problem with that and not have like a catastrophic form failure or not incur an injury and be very comfortable with hitting that limit um, or knowing when they're about to hit that limit so that they don't get injured. To me, it's a training experience thing, but by all means, train to failure. Yeah, and it's something that's been new, in newly introduced to me at the gym. Um, so I do like it because I feel like even if you're doing minimal reps, with limited sets, you can see or at least feel more more benefit from it the next day. But it is definitely, there's a learning curve in learning where your failure point is at because so many people are used to not failing that you don't realize how far you can really go until you're like, just add some more weight, add some more weight. If you fail, it's okay. Like this, we're trying to get to that point. It's self-preservation. No. Like and, and for the beginner, self-preservation absolutely matters. But what we have to do is we have to shift the safety point in your brain as you get more advanced and realize that, oh, this is just burn that I'm feeling and burn is okay. A lot of people uh, cannot distinguish between injury inflicting pain and burn pain or like a dull ache, like the, the pain sensory input for people can be very, very different. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get different things. I, right. I think training to failure is timeless and not necessarily a fad, although more people are talking about it right now. Mm -hmm. uh, number five, overproduced videos. Yeah, I'm not really into overproduced videos. I don't have the oh. time. I was, well, but you do like to watch them. I was going to say you watch them way more than I do. <laughs> You're like, watch this. And I was like, okay. 
I like, like someone just fell on the rack on the squat rack. Okay. <laughs> but that's not overproduced. That's just a gym fail. Oh uh, well, yeah. Right. Um, there's a difference between that and and like somebody who's trying to be an influencer or trying to put up fitness content and like overly diagramming it and not even in necessarily a helpful way. You know, I think that somebody who's got a lot of qualifications and can pull out the skeleton with the muscles and the tendons attached and be like, this is how your shoulder is moving. Like, I think that's cool. That's educational. But someone who is uh, seriously throwing in a bunch of like random nonsense, it's just it's a fad. It's something that's not going to stand the test of time and it's going to go the way of social media dodos. So overproduced videos, whether they're fitness or not, fad. Uh, complementary to that, number six, Bob Ross approach to fitness videos, i.e. calm coaching, actionable advice. I would agree with that. Um, there is a, a certain level of intensity that people need, but I think an intelligent coach in an in-person session is going to inject that intensity at the right time you can imagine what the intensity is that you need. Like you don't have to have somebody show you how to be your own self critic. Like we've seen enough sports movies. We've seen enough, you know, war movies, drill instructor movies, whatever. Like you can conjure up an image of that in your head. And if you can't, holy hell, like how are you going to get that through your mind? But I think that a calm approach to teaching and a calm approach to learning actionable things, I think that's absolutely timeless. There's a time for everything, a time for intensity, a time for calm learning. You need to be the kind of student that can absorb both. Yes, and this is something very new to me. Like, I've never heard of a Bob, Bob Ross approach to fitness. Have you heard of Bob Ross? Of course. Um, but it's very interesting. It would be hard for me to take on the first time because I'm so used to, like, a tougher... This is how it has to be done. There's no way. I mean, there's other ways, but like our gym's not, my trainer at the gym's not super, super tough, but she's definitely not like Bob Ross. The, so there's it's a, interesting. There's a fine line between energies where you bring a certain amount of energy that is uh, engaging, is uh, energizes the person that you're with. You know, I want myself and my trainers to bring not a out of control, jittery, kind of manic energy right. to the room. I don't want my, my folks that are coming in to work out to feel like somebody's going to fly off the handle. But at the same time, I don't want to make them nap either. Of course. So if we're talking about a workout, trainers got to bring calm, focused intensity. If we're talking about a learning environment, it's okay to be super calm. Now, that truth in coaching is not going to be that. Just telling you guys the truth. Right. Like, I'm here... Uh, to give you actionable steps, but I'm also here to make this fun, to make it a little bit entertaining because that's what I want out of it. There are other people out there. And again, this, these are trends, right? Right. There are coaches out there that are calm and just teaching and like really, really good podcasters that can be Bob Ross like. That's not me. I think it's cool. Um, do I think that that's timeless or a fad? I think it's timeless for the right person. For me to chase it, it would be a fad. Oh. So it's uh, situational. Number seven, omega threes. You should be getting these in your diet. If you're not getting them in your diet, uh, you're missing out on something that's pretty important. I'm not going to go into the whole um, 
the whole thing about like how they fit into your body as a omega-3 fatty acid versus an omega-6 fatty acid. Basically, they come from fish. That's the bottom line. You can get them in certain plant forms. They're not as common. They're tougher to get. That's why so many people supplement because most people are not going to eat enough fresh fish to get enough. So supplements make sense. That's also why supplements taste like fish when you burp because that's what it is. You're getting fish. It's just a place where it's abundant right now. Um, apparently, there are some studies out there that are new that are saying that omega-3s are great at uh, the anabolic part of your recovery. Anabolic meaning um, muscle can be produced in this environment versus catabolic meaning that muscle is consumed in this environment. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the study's coming out saying that it's great for muscle synthesis and it's also great for muscle loss mitigation. Um like, why are we talking about this? Like, we've known that you should be having it all the time. I would say this, though. That study does make it sound a little bit more appealing to people that are older that are maybe having trouble with their own natural hormones producing muscle. So I would say if you're um, on the uh, downward slope of, like, 25, if you're not growing, you're dying, Right, you should probably start to prioritize that, and then I would definitely prioritize that past fifty when you really, really need it. Um, number eight, metabolic training, and specifically uh, fat circuits, peripheral heart action training. The difficulty with metabolic training and the intervals that you put them in is: can you exercise hard enough to get the result that you want and keep your heart rate elevated? But then, can you recover quickly enough? to make the next set hard enough. And that's a really tough balance to strike. Imagine that we put you, a a lot of people can't imagine this because they've never been in it. But if you do something linear, um, definitely I will call out Tabata as a poorly applied uh, technique. That's gonna make CrossFitters mad, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's not done intensely enough because it slams you into the ground and grinds you into powder so quickly. Tabata is, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off for mm-hmm. nine rounds straight, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe it's 10 or 12. I don't know what the exact formula is. Bottom line is most people by three or four rounds cannot give a max effort anymore. Right. Again, that's can we move the brain safety point to allow yourself to take more burn. But you almost have to be a psycho to do that. Or you have to have really, really developed that self-denial to be able to take that level of pain. And I don't think it's necessarily healthy because you're hitting the same thing over and over and over again, which is kind of running a rut into your body. It's kind of like overtraining. It's not exactly the same thing. But when you take a circuit that has been constructed, such as that it has an upper and then a lower and then an upper and then a lower, and you're still doing it with some form of interval constraint, so that now you have to work, now you get a little bit of rest, now you have to work, now you get a little bit of rest, you're able to keep your heart rate going so the conditioning is high, but you're able to apply a higher level of intensity because we're alternating uppers and lowers. So that is something that it's obviously an effective training protocol. Right, it like really it, makes sense. We've been training this at the gym, right? So this, this is not new, but apparently it's hitting the blotter for 2024. Um, I'm gonna say it's timeless. It makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> Time will tell. Number nine, long length partials. This is maybe a little bit difficult to describe on a podcast, but imagine that you're doing a bicep curl, 
right? And you're using your full range of motion, elbows are all the way locked out, and you're coming all the way up and squeezing that bicep. Now your arms are kind of uh, almost 180 degrees from where they were, almost, not quite. But that would be like full range of motion, a long length partial as we've lengthened that arm at the bottom and maybe you're working just a particular range of motion. So we're working from zero degrees to maybe 30 degrees or something like that. You can do a partial on almost any exercise. You could do it on a lat pull down, focus on your lats, whatever. You could do it in the middle of a squat. Um, you could do it on deadlifts. Uh, is a well-known fact that when we stretch out the muscles under tension, that's a great way to create additional muscle damage. This is the eccentric part of the move. So the negative, right? A lot of people will right. think of eccentric as negative, whatever. Um, you know, it, Coach Cavalier says how and why. So he's kind of like middle on this. I say a long length partial is... <clears throat> Timeless, but I will agree with it that it's definitely the application. The application you're probably going to want, if you're more on the beginner side of things, you're going to want to use it to improve the weakest part of any given lift. If you're more on the advanced side of things, we need to dig a little bit deeper into how you're actually helping your muscle game with that. All right. Moving into number 10, which doesn't apply because it was very specific to how they were doing business and being silly. Um, but I'll just say as far as complicated editing and intros go and stuff, we are going to ride the consistency train, which is what I'm all about. And the bottom line is we're mastering the podcast format before moving on to anything else in a consistent fashion. So I'm happy with how this works. I like my intro music. I like my outro music. Um, is podcasting timeless? I don't know. That might be for you to decide. Is uh, it podcasting definitely a derivative of the word broadcasting? And previously, if you wanted to record your broadcasting, which reputable stations would record it on cassette or whatever and have, you know, uh, then analog copies, now digital copies. But here we're just recording straight to a digital copy. It'll be around as long as there is an internet or a cloud to store things on. So technically timeless, eh, not really. Fully timeless, possibly. Number 11, bananas in smoothies. Uh, Coach Cavalier is saying, yes, bananas, yes, smoothies. Bananas in smoothies, not so much. You would have to read the specific article that he's referencing. I say that's a bunch of uh, nonsense for now. It may have a small amount of application for somebody that is otherwise dialed in. But here's the deal. If you're trending from more processed foods to more whole foods, if you're trending from a less appropriate amount of calories to a more appropriate amount of calories, and you're focusing on the basics, like whole natural food, improving your protein, and reducing processed junk out, you're going to be doing 90% of what you need to do, particularly if you're being consistent 90% of the time. So, um... I'm going to call that a fad. Number 12. Welcome back. I thought you'd abandoned. No, Would I'm you? back. Sorry about All right. that. Uh, can't read my own handwriting. Steroids. Steroids. I thought I said stewards. Stewards. 
steroids. Yeah, weird. Um, steroids and performance enhancing drugs. Why does it shock you? I, well, I don't know. I just can't believe people are actually willing to say that they're using steroids or other drugs. You know, I guess it's society has changed. I think it has, and I think that it's kind of like what's old is new, and and what's new is old. Um, but there's definitely a regression from healthy, natural things to artificial shortcuts. And I was talking about this with somebody, actually, you know, somebody in the gym the other day, um, and then, you know, another client kind of got in on the conversation, and so it went from one hour into the next hour, and it's like, whatever happened to the D.A.R.E. program, right? You know, D.A.R.E. to resist drugs and violence. Like, I remember here in Longmont getting, like, baseball card style quality trading cards of the police officers and I remember as a kid I thought that was cool and I'm like dang these guys are cool they're the good guys and I'm not going to do drugs blah 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 Uh, fast forward 20 years and now Colorado is like one of the number one drug locations and state after state is going from legalizing marijuana And, and like here's the thing like I've been around the block in terms of um my peer group, I had a pretty funny talk with one of my Marine buddies who was just like, man, you're like, your people that you hang out with are on the polar opposite of political extremes, are on um, kind of like really wildly differing social extremes. And it's, be- it's a function of where I grew up, who's moving in, and the activities that I do. So like playing... Uh, athletics at a high level, but like with a bunch of inner city kids and being from what was a farming and a rural community that turned into a suburban bedroom community for the tech industry that now has turned into just like an extremely diverse place. Like I hang out with a lot of different people and I'm telling you, you let marijuana into a place you let a ton of other drugs into a place as well and not i'm not talking politics i'm not talking like import export control whatever i'm just saying america has a drug problem and so i am completely not surprised that it's made its way into performance enhancing drugs when you factor in tiktok and instagram and social media influencers and how kids you know from really, really young, but we're just going to talk about adults, like 18 all the way through 40, really, really like want to get that Instagram booty or like the Uh guys really, really, really want to get big. And they think that because so-and-so is big, they have to be big. Right. Right. And they're not willing to accept, Hey, maybe my body doesn't love that. In extreme cases, it is possible that steroid use can cause your muscles to grow so much that you can fracture your own skeleton. Oh, wow. I don't have a study to reference for you for that. Um, huh. But, like, can you imagine, like, outgrowing your own skeleton? Like, what a horrible fate. And with the new uh, group of drugs that are out there, you don't know what's coming in to the supply. Um, yeah, you really have no idea. You hear so many stories about things getting mixed up and people seriously harming themselves. And then you don't know how that's going to look, you know, years from now. Like, you take this at 20, what's this going to look like 
when you're right. 40 or 50. Right. You, know, you might be cutting decades off your life right. just to achieve a look. Right. That doesn't make sense. So I think natural is all the way to go. Um, you know, it's as part of the trend here. So the specific trend to kind of stay on topic is that influencers are more interested in sharing their stack, stack meaning their supplements and or things that they're juicing with, than their actual workout advice. Right. That is 100% bass backwards. Completely right. wrong. Right. So let's keep it. Let's keep it healthy. Let's keep it about the workouts. Let's keep it about uh, the coaching, etc. I hope to God that this is a fad and not a trend. Oh, Unfortunately, I think it might be here to stay unless we have massive cultural revolution that eschews drug culture. I guess uh, number thirteen, AI generated workouts. They're not good enough yet. <laughs> They're not good enough, but I, that's not going to be a fad. Like, it's just it, only going to get better. You know what? You probably could ask an AI bot to write you a plan. And if you're a beginner, you'd probably get some results on it. Yeah. You are running the risk of injury. Of course. But you're doing that with any workout program. Right. Right. Um, you do have to listen to your body, but it's going to just spit out some three by ten nonsense. Right. And you're going to do a bunch of that. And the more of a beginner that you are, as long as you don't get hurt, the more of a beginner that you are, the more that you can benefit from almost anything. Right. Right. Because your learning curve is going to be very, very rapid. That will plateau very quickly. And then you really need what we talk a lot about here is uh, coach's intuition. Right. Because, again, as much as I am interested in science and as much as I try to keep my training scientifically oriented. Right. I'm not the nerdy science guy like Jeff Cavalier is. That guy breaks everything down. Him and his staff read every study. I'm more interested in change psychology. I'm more interested in like how I can actually get you to change. And then I get invested in you. When you have a bigger operation like Jeff's and full credit to him, it's like, hey, guys, here's the plan. Follow the plan or don't follow the plan. Right. And then people can stick to it or not. Right. But like my whole thing is accessing your brain so that you can actually implement change. Yes. And that's something that AI doesn't have the capabilities of doing and or it, it probably will take quite a few years yet before we'll be able to do that. We just told a lead yesterday that, hey, we can give you a cookie cutter plan. You're not going to get fast results because it's going to be very broad based. It's not going to have specific needs on his goals or his timeline. And that's what the trainers do. Like you set up something that's going to tap into their mindset, tap into their goals, tap into individual needs so that they can see those results faster than what a typical 90 day, 180 day plan might produce. Yeah. And the other thing too, is like, even if AI was producing perfect plans, your ability to follow that and then what do you do when you don't follow it? That's right. setting you up for failure, which is right. the motivational guilt cycle, which is what we're going to talk about very next time in goal right. setting. Right. But uh, there's there's lots of reasons to be skeptical of what AI puts out there. Because, again, like if humans were robots, AI is writing for us as if we're robots right. and we can perfectly apply a plan that doesn't work. And again, though, if you're a beginner and have never done anything before. You'll see some kind of results as long as you yeah. don't hurt yourself. No plan survives contact with reality. Um, so I, honest to goodness, call this, there's two ways this can go, AI. 
I don't call it timeless. It is definitely a fad. People need people. However, it is going to get more and more invasive. Yeah. And like you said, like it can't access your brain yet. Like I never want AI to access my brain, right? Let's just keep it completely out there. Let's separate man and machine. When that unholy alliance happens, the world's in for some hurt. Uh, number 14, filming in the gym. <laughs> Coach says, uh, yes to film. Uh, it's for some critique on your form. Uh, yes to celebrate a PR, but like, please don't become a gym fail. I will second I, that. Yes, but I think you'll be really sad if this goes away because you really like watching them on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Do I want people to keep competing in the Darwin Awards and providing me with Dodo films? Yes, I do. Out of, of pure, selfish schadenfreude. Right. Do I recommend it? No. Do I think it is a timeless tool? I do. I honest to goodness think that you can accelerate your performance by filming your form and seeing how it goes. We've yeah. been doing this. It's just like game day when you're an athlete. Exactly. Like it used to be only really big leagues, mm -hmm. like people in the Olympics or, you know, the NFL as it was starting to become the biggest league in the world. Only they had access to game film. Right. Well, now really everybody should be doing game film and why not on everything? Right. You know, you don't have to play sport to do that. Right. So I say timeless filming yourself in the gym. Uh, 15 recovery supplements. Don't overlook recovery. Um, you know, coach, he's got a, a dog in the fight. He... Uh, formulates and manufactures them, and they're high quality. His supplements right. are good. Um, a lot of them are on the, um, what is it, the NFT? No, that's, dang it, I've got my my trade commissions and my, you know, regulatory agencies. It's NSF, right? Dang it. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's NSF, the one that will actually test so that the supplement is verified true that you won't pop on a drug test like if mm -hmm. you're a drug tested athlete or something so like good on him and yeah stuff. and he sells to most major mlb teams um so good on him but right. i will say if you're not at that level recovery supplements are going to be a fad for you right you need to focus on good food uh not destructive food and you need to focus on rest and recovery and more of that, we talked about it earlier on one of the earlier items, training for longevity. That was item number one, right? Focus on your flexibility, focus on your recovery cardio, get the blood flowing. That will do better for you than supplements will do. Uh, number 16, worksite health policies. Um, yeah, I think companies are getting a little bit more on board with helping their employees stay healthy. I kind of surprised to see this pop as a 2024 thing. Um, I think it's a little bit uh, like this has been going on for quite a while. Maybe post COVID, they're a little bit more invested in that. But I think corporate campuses are actually going to be shrinking. Um, so I would say instead of worksite, I would say offsite. Corporations are definitely more interested in helping you stay healthy. That helps them on their health premiums. But I think we're not actually looking at more gym installs for corporations. I think we're looking at corporations supplementing people's uh, fitness uh, fitness regimens. <clears throat> so I say fad. Uh, 17, which is balance training. Ooh, interesting. This one ties right back into number one, training for longevity. And you've been doing this one for a while. So I was like, oh, yeah. Josh loves doing this with our, especially with our warm-ups. Well, absolutely. And... It just helps you access your brain better. It helps you feel yourself in space. It's really important as you get older to do it, but it's important for athletes as well. Better balanced athletes perform better. It's just as simple as it gets. 
Um, there is in a period of training when you have to periodically come back to correct imbalances because as you get stronger, something is going to get tighter and it's going to get slightly imbalanced. Or as you get injured. Yeah, you could get injured, but like even in an ideal scenario where you're not getting injured, when you come back to where you were, um, not when you come back to where you were, when you get off track and you get slightly unbalanced, Balance training, even just stepping up on a box and making yourself find the right spot and space and holding that position, I think it's important. Um, maybe it's in for 2024, but it should be in already. So definitely timeless. Right. And I think it's one of those big shockers for most people, too. I feel like a lot of times when you meet with new people and you test their balance, they're really shocked about how bad their balance is. Yeah. It's a big Big way to expose, um, interestingly enough. All right, well, that's the list that uh, that Jeff Cavalier from Athletics had put up. It's interesting. Long list. Yeah, I mean, it's a long list. It took a while to talk through, but these are important training concepts, and these are things that people are going to run into. And so I think a little bit oh, of context yeah, or like a pro kind of taking them through it and being like, okay, yeah, there's there's a case for this, but also there's a case for sanity, Right. And a right. case for actionable coaching steps and consistency. I think those are the overriding principles. Take an overriding principle and then from that you can derive appropriate action steps as opposed to saying, oh, well, this is something that's new and hot and great. And there's no shortcuts. Right. There is no shortcuts other than quality training and quality food and quality recovery. Right. There are things that may help energize you along the way. There are things that can help elevate your game by all means, but basics are basics and they don't ever change. Right. I'm actually more surprised about there's not a lot of, to me, new things on it. Like, oh, I've never heard about that before. Except for the white noise. I mean, the different colors of noises. Yeah. I mean, uh, but everything else is like, oh, we've talked about that in the past and it's just like coming back up. Yeah. As either... In, well, steroids too. That's yeah. a big surprise. That people are open about it. Yeah, so it's. Much. I think that's disgusting. Again, like it's it's hot or it's not, and where does it fit in the order of priorities? So, um, you know what? That actually took more time than I thought it was gonna, and I didn't mean to just go over content that somebody else had been doing. But you know what? It was fun, and I think it's yeah. relevant. And you're gonna encounter it in the wild, yeah, as we say. Totally. So, uh, well worth an episode. All right, speech of the week. Catch yourself in the act. What I mean by that is when you engage in a behavior that's undesirable, that is not constructive towards your goals, um, you know, specifically in the health and fitness context, the body composition change, the results zone, but you can apply this to relationships, to finances, whatever. Apply as needed. We're interested in particularly poor choices that happen when you're tired, stressed, frustrated, depressed, or during transition times. Right. And catching yourself in the act essentially means you're going to have a light bulb moment that, aha, I'm doing this right now, as opposed to doing it subconsciously. Instead of uh, kind of blacking out and just going back on your uh, base level motor programming or your deep seated habits, it's important to shine the light bulb on it and say, oh, my goodness, this is happening. This is happening right now. I'm making a bad decision. I'm stuffing my face. I'm uh, getting unreasonably irritable, blah, blah, blah. To me, a really easy non-fitness, non-nutrition way 
of thinking about it is when you muscle memory drive the wrong place. Yeah. You're just catching yourself going the wrong direction. You're like, oh no. Yep. And you need to apply conscious control instead. But do this. The next time, if you have caught yourself in the act and you've labeled it, that's what I want you to do is label what just happened as, oh my goodness, this just happened. Next time, you'll be presented with a conscious choice. Oh my goodness, this is about to happen. I can clearly see it. And now you can choose to engage in that bad behavior and feel like crap, or you can avoid it and begin to strengthen a new habit. Is this a silver bullet? Is it gonna fix everything for you? No, but you're essentially setting an awareness trap for the next time you encounter this situation. Ask yourself, who was I with? What were we doing? How was I feeling? What was I thinking? And you'll begin to get the emotional landscape and maybe the physical landscape of what's creating that bad choice. You'll see that pattern taking shape and there will be a predictable result if you engage in that behavior and now you have an opportunity to divert the situation or at least insulate yourself from the worst effects. So by all means, catch yourself in the act and you've created the conditions for change. Doesn't guarantee success, but it is a fantastic way to get going. All right, good talk to gay guys. This was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be back soon with either goal setting or fundamentals of human movement that you can apply. Bye.